Welcome to another edition of the For the Culture Podcast, a soccer podcast for us, by us. We talk about the intersection between black culture and soccer. Got your boy here, Grego here, Coach Tony on the squad, Mayor Kane on the squad, and we got the ladies in the house. What's going on, ladies? Introduce yourselves. I'm Lauren. And I'm Lauren. That's easy. Lauren. <laughs> Y'all should have a band name and just, and just be like Lauren. That's just, it's just yep. one word, big boom. Definitely. Wait for the brand. Yep. Cool. cool In the works. Cool. Yeah, man. Um, of course, uh, TK is still up. The baby is here. Liza Edmondson is finally in the building. Born on Friday the 25th. Healthy. Eight pounds, I think three ounces, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, man, we are beyond thrilled uh, that she's finally here. TK is actually in the middle of feeding as, as we speak. So yeah, man, it's glad to finally have her in the house. In the middle of all this crazy chaos, it's good to have something to drink to, you know, for good things, <laughs> not for bad things, for the good stuff. But here's the TK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, there you go, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there, good job, good job right there. <laughs> but yes, Lawrence, uh, yeah, give us a quick introduction. Let, let the people know who you are. Because of course, y'all, are, y'all are players, y'all, y'all do this. So your intro, and I'll give them your intro. Okay, so um, this is Lauren Hutchinson. Um, she was born and raised in Loudon, Virginia. Um, has played soccer her whole entire life, played in the Pan American Games, um, went to VCU, that's an important fact, that's before that, went to college, yes, went to VCU, went to college, stay in, stay in school, kids, um, <laughs> went to VCU, graduated, um, with a business degree? No. With what? A sports? Psych- psychology degree. And a master's in sports management. Sports management. Um, and then went on to play in the Pan American Games with the Trinidad and Tobago women's national team. Um, and played with the national team and played pro after playing in college. Um, she is now a multi-business owner and um, a motivational speaker, um, along with just being a kick-ass person. Yes. That was good. Woo-hoo. That was excellent. Hmm. Can, this is Lauren can, Silver. Can we say badass? Lawrence is just a badass. Is that what we're saying, basically? Yeah, go for it. Both. Okay. All right. Both badasses. Cool. Cool. I mean, she's better than I am some days, but <laughs> only some days. Okay, I like that your hand is covering my entire face. Like, get this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my hand's yeah. Um. All right, so this is Lauren Silver, everybody. She had feet like Marcelo since she came out the womb. I'm done. Um, and hair like Marcelo. <laughs> I saw the video the other day. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, born in... Boca Raton? No, Miami, no? Florida. Are you kidding me? But what city? Which is North Kendall. Miami. North Miami, Kendall. Sorry, I was, I was Boca Raton. Get it right. Um, Get it right. <laughs> I was close. I was close. <laughs> Grew up, played soccer. Such a badass. Went to Florida. Played. Go Gators. Go Rams. Go Gators. Um, <laughs> my guy. That's right, girl. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Right. Uh, literally has been traveling the world since she left college, playing pro all over the world, played for the Jamaican women's national team. And then, of course, my favorite, she just went and played in the 2019 Women's FIFA World Cup. And I talk about it all the time. 
and she's awesome. Now, here living in the States, building her business from the ground up, truly self-made. Wow. My lashes are on fleek. Like they're little rusty. I'm going to redo them soon. But if you guys need a lash person, go ahead and hit me on my Instagram at lowsilver underscore and I will hook you up with some fine lashes. Oh, she got the hookup for you, shot. She hooked you up real quick, man. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, oh. He was like, after quarantine, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Good talking. <laughs> but, uh, Great show. Good job. <laughs> but yes, for those of you catch us on, on uh, YouTube, of course, don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube channel, on our po- your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all that good stuff. Um, you know, it's it's been a very good week. I, I am on my work computer now because I, I am back to work. Like, see, y'all can now finally see me in, in HD instead of like, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, I have not watched as much NWSL probably ever in the past week. You know, thankfully they have a decent uh, TV deal. So the exposure's out there. They've hit new records mm-hmm. up as far as viewership. And they gave us a whole lot to talk about the, um, this first weekend with the tournament, man. Like, I was yeah. like, oh. Guns blazing. But I will say this, because I haven't been always been accessible to, to watch women's soccer, but the shit is good. Like, really good. Like, I've always kind of, like, wondered, like, how the national team has been as good as it is. And, like, at least the, and half the team isn't even in there. I'm like, there's some good, there's some good action. And it's, it's actually, I can follow it. It's Totally fine, of course. The crowd noise is still, you know, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but you know, we, we try to make it work. But, um, but yeah, like, I, what what are your, your thoughts been on so far? Before you go, well, I've always been a huge NWSL fan. Um, I'm just really hoping that the funding continues to grow. I just would hate to see the league fold again. And you're right. There's so many new players that are that are playing in the league now that are not just national team players, but are really, really good players. Um, players that I coached, you know, when they were in high school are now playing in the NWSL, which is a cool thing, you know, for me to see on TV now. But I'm just praying, praying that the funding and the situation can stand on its own two feet because I'm scared that, you know, eventually they'll just pull the plug. Um I mean, look what happened yeah. with which team folded Kansas, Kansas City. A couple of them did, I think. Yeah. So I just yeah. I hope it stays. Soccer has been awesome. There's a game starting in 30 minutes. Yeah. So and and to piggyback off of that, um, it, you have to think about this. So let's just break this down statistically, right? Like, if the United States of America has the best team in the world, in the world. Right, the communities, the players, the peers, the coach—like not necessarily the coaches, but like these environments that we're in—must be some of the best, including the play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you watch the NWSL, like it's like, oh, like I can keep up. Like 
men's soccer is great, but women's soccer is educated. Like it's very an- analytical in that way. Um, and and so are the, so are the guys. Like the guys are great, but what's there's a difference between the styles of play. And I think that's where now we're lucky that, that the NWSL had a platform this week where mm-hmm. no one else is playing. So we finally we've been talking, talking, talking. Like we want a stage, we want a stage. Well, we have it. Mm-hmm. Um, can we show up? And can people who have never seen this style or have never seen this game or thought women's soccer is trash, it comes on and is like, wow, you know, like this is really something to watch. And it's something that in the future, I'm sure you'd want to watch over and over again, because when you watch these these women play, the thought process behind playing, the ability to like not just like play great soccer, but it's like the the analysis, the understanding, um, the the speed of play the technicality, the tacticality, like all the pieces that you would really want to see in that separates it from the men's game. Like there's that, there's that piece that women's women's soccer, I think is, is, is a thing that completely separates them from men. The men's mm-hmm. game is, it can be fast and it's very, um, there's goals and, and it has its own edge to it and its own kind of like speed of play and its own thing. But the, the women's game is, is so much more calculated and that is the plus side. So they, they both are like, I think extremely different. And so when people always say, you know, like equality between men and women, I do want there to be equality in terms of finances, but in terms of the game, they're, they're definitely different. They will never be the same. Never, ever, ever. And I, and I kind of like that because in each game, I, I always talk to young, young, young athletes, girls and boys. And I say, even to young girls, I'm like, go watch Marcelo, go watch Zavi, go watch these certain players in their positions. I'll, I'll refer to men. And I will also say, now go watch Alex Morgan or go watch, like if I'm looking at a midfielder, go watch Lindsey Horan, go watch um, this outside back, go watch whoever, because there's aspects as a player that I think are, are, are men-like and what, and some aspects of myself that are women-like. And I try to play and add those pieces that best fit my player as like my strengths as a player. So um, the NWSL has given, I think a lot of people an opportunity to see that yes, women can play, but like, that's always been the thing. Women have always been able to play. But the difference is now they're the only they're the only ones playing <laughs> here. So so it's nice because um, we get a chance to have a stage, mm-hmm. and there's definitely room for that. So I got I got a question actually about you know you you played at the club level and at the national team level. What has been like the the biggest differences from playing club and playing for national team? Like what do you see as far as the nuances? style obviously the preparation is a little bit different because you have a little bit more truncated time with the national team but what would you say is the different nuances from when you go to national team camp versus playing the club i thought you were gonna go i can go (laughs) um so many different sides to it whether it's on the field or off the field one thing that is um on the field it's so fast with the national team like you're in and then you're out like you don't have, you don't really have time to get comfortable with your teammates sometimes because the funding is so short. You know, when you're playing for a club, you have time to really sit in, figure out what position, you know, you know, that you're in the role that you play on and off the field, getting to know your assistant coach. I mean, with the national team, we had coach after coach after coach after coach. Yep. You get a three day camp and now you got to go play against the United States and all these other teams. So the, the time with our, with my teammates was so short. And of course, yours was the same too, but that's not for all national teams, but it's still, even for the United States, you're, that camp might only be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and then you're, then you're gone. So you have to be able to think on your, on your toes as a player and be able to adjust very quickly. 
rather than being in a club setting where you get to really relax. It's home. Um, that's one. That's one difference. Yeah, speed of play. Speed of play is the biggest difference. Any going from like one level to the next. Um, and then it, it being a business. So that's another big difference. You go from playing, I mean, soccer, when you think about it, is is entirely a business. But when you go from playing club to playing college to playing pro, you see the levels of business that come with it, like mm-hmm. the three points and, and, and versus the one point versus zero points and um, how that affects people's job positions and also the positions on the field. So that business piece affects it. Um, and then – you know, like like Lauren is saying, I think the biggest difference is it, it's just a, it's a completely different level of um, expected time. Like you're in with the national team, um, and and you have to get to know them very well. The formations can can vary. So depending on the coach that you have, you might be playing a four three three. When I go back to so I was in college, and then and I'm sure this was you too. I was in college, and I was also participating in the World Cup qualifiers in 2013. 14. 14? No, but the qualifiers. Oh, yeah, 15. Yeah, so, no, the qualifiers. 13? 14? 14. 14. 14. Um, and so while doing that, I was at the University of Florida, but then I was called up to go play in the qualifiers. And so I would go from my my, my club or my college and be playing a 4-2-3-1. I played as the Marcelo, okay? I played as a left back. Um, from the womb. <laughs> um, but I was there, like, going up and down, up and down the field. Um, and getting involved in the attack, starting the attack, being someone who like love to get forward and then track back, make sure I'm, I'm you know, making my recovery runs. But then when can I go with the national tackle, team, I was playing. Can you, tackle, well. can you tackle cleanly? Yeah. Shoot, you want to see, I can pull up the top of my face, you know, yeah. screen. Doing, you know, doing the slide tackling, timing the runs, all that good stuff. And then when I go play with my national team, the amount of time I have to learn the four three three, which is a tr- more traditional, like, for, um, format and people can play like different positions. So in a four, three, three, I was playing as a six. Okay. So I wasn't necessarily playing as a left back anymore. I'm now moved in to a center mid position where I have to now take on different roles and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So that and the amount of time I have to learn that is way different than at my club. Mm-hmm. It's completely different because I have to like switch gears and I have to do it very quickly. So also if you can't do that, you're also not playing then. Right. Exactly. And the maturation to realize that, like, even though that might be something you're not comfortable with, but to say, all right, mm-hmm. I got to suck it up. If I want to get on the field, I got to be able to adjust. Whereas maybe mm-hmm. in your high school years, a lot of players, they're just like, you know, this is my position. I play this role in the sun, whatever. But you try and get that playing time. Yeah. <laughs> you work it out a whole lot. Yeah. Um, That's dope. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. But, um, let, let, let me ask y'all real quick. Um, assuming y'all were in this scenario, would y'all would y'all be protesting? Would y'all would y'all be kneeling with for the anthem and all that? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. I'd be laying on the ground, straight up. I would like it's 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 like things need to be done. Things need to be. Um, I always tell the kids that that we coach when you want to get a college coach's attention, you got to wave the flag. You have to take the time to to show people what you stand for. So absolutely, I would. Mm-hmm. No question. What, what, what do you think about the decision of NWSL giving the choice to the players to stay in the locker room or not during the anthem? Um, what's your thoughts on that? I saw a few things about it. Um, what we all as Americans do take for granted is our freedom of speech. 
Like we all have to just all humble ourselves. Like, like outside of color, outside of religion, outside of everything, we are extremely grateful and extremely blessed to be living in a country where freedom of speech is even allowed. Period. Now, when we set in, when we set a a precedent that this is something that is allowed, it should be on both ends. It should be to be able to express anything in, in any favor. So, like that's something I feel like where where people are not folk, like they're not they're taking it out of the context. And I get it because I'm I'm the person who is kneeling, but then I'm always the person who, who's the devil's advocate. And I'm thinking, okay, like why wouldn't someone kneel? What is the what what where are they coming from? What would be the position that they're coming from? Even though I would want everyone to, but I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. The NWL, from a a liability standpoint, cannot force anyone to do anything. So, like as a as a business, like, do I think that's appropriate and not appropriate? Absolutely. Do I think like it it should be something that everyone's doing? Yes. But that's like the that's the per, that's the thing that I play. So the fact that and that and that calls on the players to make that decision. So the NWL is giving the option, which is I think is a go ahead. Um, for the players to choose whether to stand or to kneel or just stay in the locker room, that's up to them and that falls on them. And they have to deal with those consequences or or whatever comes their way. Um, but I, I do find it personally, this is a personal thing now, like just slightly difficult when I see people um, who are not kneeling and but yet insist that they're in support. If you're in support, that is how you show it. And by not kneeling, I think that's a way of not showing your support in the situation because you're putting your selfish needs like you're like and I don't mean this personally, but like you put your needs before the needs of of the community that's crying for help. Mm -hmm. So when I see that happening, then, you know, I'm I'm a little bit baffled because that person I am looking at them and I'm like, they they might be standing because they believe in this and this is what it looks like for them. And I, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, this is me trying to be understanding. But at the same time, like I said, when there's, when there's an entire race, depending on, on, on white people, we are, we are depending on white people to speak up. When I see that, that is when I'm, I'm just kind of struggling because we're literally saying like, we need your help. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're actively saying, I can't nah. help you. Like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So you, you said, Tony, that's what you call a segue because that's that's what they do, man. Because, uh, yeah, we definitely had that over the weekend. Uh, I think the most, obviously, the most talk, most talked about incident was uh, with the uh, Chicago Red Stars with uh, Casey Short, uh, basically in tears um, during the anthem. Julia uh, kneeling beside her, consoling her. All the while, her teammate Rachel Hill is standing uh, next to her, standing with you know little 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 I don't know petty fingers, condescending fingers, you know, just kind of like barely hanging on. Like, how did you, how did y'all interpret that 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 moment there? Because of course, uh, for those of y'all who don't know, uh, Casey Short and Julia did just come out with a statement on this, posting on their socials and everything, but. How did y'all uh, interpret that? <laughs> Here's the, the interesting piece. This is where my brain goes. At first, I was just excited to see that more people were kneeling. That was my first mm-hmm. initial thing. But then once we spoke about well, that's it. That's the positive in you. That's the positive She's in me. So I was like, oh, my God. Like 75% of the people are kneeling. That's what I saw first. 
Mm-hmm. But then when we really, you know, because I was in game mode, and then we, when we talked about it, I was like, you're right. Like, that's kind of weird for me. That's that's confusing. I don't know how I feel about this yet because you're putting your hand on her shoulder. I just, I was really, really inside, like, having a polarizing feeling. Like, I don't think this is right. Mm-hmm. But initial reaction was, I'm just really glad that it's now, like, the waves are starting to come in. But... Can we cuss on here? Yes, please. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is this? In like a nice way, but I was like, like at first I was like, wait, wait, what the fuck? Like the hand. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, like it changed for me the tonality and the fucks. Like I was like, <laughs> and, then I, and then I got it was high, like a question. And then I dropped it low an octave to like a baritone with like, like exclamation points. Cause I, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, that's me. That's, those are the sides I play in my own head. Like I, I play, I play both parts. I'm like, okay, there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why I don't, I clearly don't understand the reason. Let me try to be understanding. But then the other part of me is like, like I said, like there are people who, like there's a, an entire race that is that is crying, asking for her help, in particular, mm-hmm. her help. Um, and it's kind of like, here's like my jazz fingers, and I'm just like, yeah. like only three of them too, not even like the full hand. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was more of like a like a placement, and I and I like and I I'm pretty sure like I know her too. Like I I, I think we're we're fr- like we have friends, and soccer world's really small, so like. I know her and I don't mean any harm, but it's like, if I'm speaking to you, if you're watching this, like we need you. And it's, that's, that's really like the basic, yeah. that's, that's how I feel really. We need but everyone's think, help. Think about the both things that you just, both of y'all just brought up and the fact that like you go from this very emotional moment and then you got to switch it like that and compete. Like that was what messed me up. That's when you see a level of professionalism where you're able to like, okay, you have this tears, you have this heart to heart, you know, which you know, you're basically your teammate, your sister almost, and then realizing the weight of the moment. And then, you know, here you are two minutes, you're warming up before kickoff. And it's just like, you got to get ready to play, you know, 90 minutes of hell. And so mm-hmm. like that, I mean, that level of professionalism, that that's not, not everybody's built for that. And the thing about mm-hmm. that, I think players right now are having to deal with that, that they never really probably thought they would, when they woke up, you know, pre-COVID, they didn't have to think about that. But now all that's going on during this time, especially with the social injustice movements that are going on, now it's like they're having to play at a different level with carrying so much weight on their shoulders and so much on their heart. That's a different mm-hmm. level of professionalism. Mm-hmm. That very what, yeah. what you got, Rashad? I was going to say, um, or ask rather, um, during this time, uh, you know, maybe with your teammates or reconnecting with your teammates and the social dialogue has been opening up. Um, is there something that, you know, either positive or negative, that's probably been the most shocking reaction that you've gotten from, um, people that you deal with consistently? You don't have to say the names, but just, just something that made you, how just, you just went from different tonalities from of, of what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, what was it? Like, was there something that someone uh, might have said or or realized and had a conversation with you and or brought up to your attention or 
Um, you say, I don't know, or I didn't understand, or, 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 you know, they're trying to understand what's going on or they get it. But, you know, is there something that, that just was off the wall that just made you go really what the fuck just in a conversation or interaction with someone that you talk to often? I have two scenarios. Go ahead. Um, so one of them is not even with the teammate. It's actually with someone who I'm doing, I'm doing business with. Mm-hmm. And that's a tricky thing too, because whether it's a teammate or it's a client, like, it's still a relationship. It's still, it's still people to people, person to person. Um, one of the people I was talking to, this is the actual story, like oh, verbatim. No. Oh yeah. This is, Oh no. Yeah. So I was having a oh, conversation no. with someone who um, he means the best. He means very well. And most, most every white person does, they mean well, they just don't know what to do or they're uncomfortable or they don't know what to say. And so because of that, they really struggle. The people who are trying, who are messing up, I honor that. I'm like, you know what? Cool. Like you're trying. But there are people who are not trying and like come very incorrectly. And we're kind of at a place in our lives where we have to figure out how to appropriately like call someone out because if we don't, we're also playing into the injustice. So it's like, if you get kind of, it gets kind of weird because I can be like, like I can let it slide, but then it's, I'm also not doing my part. So I was having a conversation with someone who um, I was potentially working with. And he had messaged me because I was supposed to follow through on something. And he asked me, Hey, like, how's it, how is the, how are you like doing with fulfilling this? And I messaged him back. And this was just after like George Floyd, like the first week that had happened. And we all kind of were already like protesting and stuff like that. It had been like a week and a half or so. Um, and so he had messaged me and that's kind of when things got really crazy, especially here in Virginia, the, the social, the, 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 the social culture here is like hot. Like the climate is very like, very, very interesting. I'm not from here. So like experiencing this is very different. Um, but there's a lot of stuff going on here, a lot of protesting, a lot of rioting. And we're right, we're right on the street where all this stuff is happening too. So we've seen, we've witnessed like people breaking into cars, busting windows, like carrying fires. guns, fires, fireworks, all that kind of stuff. So I was having a conversation with someone and um, he's just like, Hey, like, how's it going with fulfilling that thing? And I was like, well, honestly, like, I'm just, I'm just really having a tough week this week. It's very, like, it's been very challenging. You know, all of you would be like, yeah, like me too. Like, I get it. And he was like, oh, like with what? Mm. And I was kind of just like, and this was the moment. This was, this was the moment. This was the moment, guys. This was the moment where I could be like, do that thing that like we do when we feel like those things coming on and we're just like, okay, like they didn't mean that. And I could have just been like, like, oh, like I'm just struggling, having a tough week, and then carry on the conversation. But this was the moment that I had to stay, like, okay, like I'm gonna make this choice right now to call him out, and I did, and I and I don't know him very well, and I was just like, have you turned on the television? I'm watching Golden Girls. That's what he's. That's what he's doing. He's like, I, I don't well, know what's going he, on. And he messaged, he messaged me back and he was just like, oh, honestly, I've been trying to, like, with everything that's going on, like, he's like, he's a kid, he's his wife, like, I'm trying to, like, avoid these, like, things because it's, it's so hard to watch, like, the television, like, the, the news. It's like, all they do is, is show, like, all the negative stuff that's going on. And it's just been really difficult to, to, like, witness this. And I said to him, well, unfortunately, like, my skin color doesn't allow me the luxury of avoiding this, this topic. Basically. And then that kind of just like sparked his attention, just like, wow, like, okay. And I and I just said to him, I was just like, 
you are you are the most powerful person in America. You are a white male. Fucking a, I'm white. <laughs> like you are you are a white male in America. You are the most powerful person in the world. Like and 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 that's and I said that to him too. And I was like, and he's like, I I now recognize, I like, can understand, like what it is you're saying, and I I appreciate you saying that to me. So his response also was like respectful he could have like he could have been like you know and and this is literally what we're living in like people don't understand so moral of the story to that I just told him I was like no like I get it and I said honestly I had to do my part in saying something because I feel like it would be unjust of me not to have mentioned this to you and I don't want to come across rude and I'm really sorry if it if it felt like that but I have to do my part and he was like no I I I get it and what like what other things can I be doing to be educating myself about this stuff. I was like, you just need to read, you need to go and you need to research and you need to make it your um, priority mm-hmm. to, to learn. Mm-hmm. And that Absolutely. was one of the situations that I, I came across. Speaking of white guys that, that could do better, uh, Alexi Lawless basically uh, did the same thing over the weekend. Of course it wasn't, there wasn't just one, um, person that stood up for for, uh, for the anthem actually during the first game against uh, I believe that was uh, North Carolina Courage and ah oh, crap I might as well like I know one of the backup keepers was basically the only only player who who stood up uh, during the anthem and Alexi said you know it takes courage to stand up during the anthem which all this considered. <laughs> I actually get the, the statement itself, but of course, being Alexi, it's like what in the entire fuck? Because for the how Alexi does his shit, I, I think that he intentionally decides to be contrarian just just because. But as usual, and that's and definitely in this in this case, the clapback was real, and. Mm-hmm. I think that it's one thing to be courageous when, of course, especially in a team environment where you team unity is always encouraged and everything to be the only one that's standing. I actually kind of get that, but at the same time, hopefully, she realizes that you stand up, you being courageous for the wrong shit, and you need to understand like why is everybody else kneeling and you're the only one standing, like. At some point, you have to kind of like look, look, look beside yourself and be like, "There's something going on here, and there's something that, mm-hmm. I, that obviously needs to be addressed." But uh, it, it felt also good to see Alexi get get clapped back and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt like a lot of um, a lot of influencers that have really good stake in the game that started to call out like mainstream things like Netflix, Instagram, Facebook, because they hadn't, they hadn't put out a statement at all. And they were like, you guys are the first people to put up, stay home because of COVID, you know, the little bars at the top, how it's like, Mm -hmm. stay safe, stay home. Mm -hmm. Like they're doing all the, and people started being like, okay, so as soon as COVID hit everybody, you know, all these companies were really taking, you know, the steps to make sure everybody's safe. But now we have to literally beg these companies to put up banners and to make a statement about what's going on in the world. And then it was like everyone's scrambling to get their, their, their statement and their message. 
And it was like, why did the people have to put the pressure on everybody else, all these major companies, to say something about it? And then the companies that didn't say anything, it's like everyone's just kind of waiting. Like, are they going to say something? Are they not going to say something? The last 30 days have been like the blanket is completely up for everybody now. And and, yeah. and you can see where people stand, literally. <laughs> so I, I'm interested to see what, what arises from it. But it's crazy. The clapback is crazy right now. Yeah. Uh, like I said, with, with Alexi, because for those of you who have followed the game for a while, you kind of know that Alexi is known for um, this kind of stuff. Matter of fact, back when the uh, U.S. Uh, anthem protest came with U.S. soccer a few years back. He was one of those kind of touting the horn, saying, "Hey, everyone should stand, everyone should sing, and, and all that stuff." And it's like, it's of course, it's one thing for the national team to do it, and even that, it's still free speech. But at the same time, like how we kind of got it earlier, as far as what the uh, NWSL did with the uh, anthem, one, it shouldn't even be there in the first place. I'm like. Really, like that—that kind of—it's always that is always normally like. I, I, but here's one question that I have for everybody, because I feel like we're going we're going to go down this road eventually, where all the leagues just say, you know what, we're not doing the anthem at all. How are people <laughs> well, going? I'm out. To- I'm out. You what? know a large reason why that's done though. What's up? Military recruit. The whole military has a. Uh, has a, a budget line meant for anthems at all professional sporting events. They pay for that. So they're paying the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, depending on which league, just for the anthems to be played because it's part of a recruiting process. So that's why the, like, numbers, the numbers are down. So that ain't working. Like, yo, we're going to get bigger, bigger flags for the anthem. You know, I mean, that's that line, that budget line, military is meant for the anthem. So that's saying that most of the leagues are going to say, nah, we don't want that money anymore. Mm. True. I mean, like the, the NFL got caught up in a couple of years ago where they were basically the Department of Defense was paying them just to do like flyovers and the big flag displays across the whole field. It's and not just that. It's literally for the anthems. <laughs> that's what it's, it's amazing when you look at the, the politics of that all—it's well. Is it is there is it a bigger statement if people um, neglect like don't play the national anthem versus playing and having everyone kneeling? Like, what's a bigger statement? Right. So I kind of I kind of like it that they play the anthem and we kneel because it's kind of like eh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. I agree. So so what happens when they said assuming they decide you know what we're getting rid of it. How do we? How, how will players protest then? Because the same, the same way that people have been. Like you see LeBron wearing uh, the George George Floyd shirt. You see people wearing right now the Black Lives Matters. You see people wearing the armbands during the game in the NWSL. Um, you see people doing interviews talking about all this stuff. Like the same way that we're doing it right now. It's never like it hasn't ever. We've never been shut up. It's just now we have a better platform. Now we have social media. Now we live in twenty first century where like the conversation is it's it's not different. It's just videotaped. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing we've been doing, but now we just have other platforms to utilize. 
and in better ways. And that's, that's the way I see it. I use my platform in the same way. I do videos and like almost weekly about George Floyd, almost weekly about Black Lives Matters. Um, anytime someone comes incorrect on my page, I'm, I literally say, unfollow me, please do, do not follow me. You can block, like I'm gonna block you because that's a way of showing like what I stand for and continuing the conversation in my own kind of way. The difference is the responsibility we decide to take on ourselves and then the responsibility of white people. Like how many white CEOs run businesses? The majority. We need yeah. them. We can't what? like hate on them. We have to love them. We have to educate them. Rachel Hill or whoever was standing, we need to talk to her and say, hey, girl, I understand. But um, let me teach you something. Let me explain something to you. We need to talk about this because we need people like her who are who are stuck in a way, um, you know, to to change that opinion somehow. And we're not going to do it through violence or through hate. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that. Well, it's absolutely right. I think what you're saying as far as like and that and for any movement to move on or any war or fight, there's got to be allyship. The allyship is what moves the needle. Because if it's just the minority, if it's just the, you know, the oppressed, if it's just whoever is fighting the fight, it's going to stay the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like you said, like that allyship is crucial. And so when you see a teammate just dangling those three fingers. You just grab them. <laughs> <and you're pulling. laughs> Yo, Tony, Tony, <laughs> Tony. Yeah, I mean, that, that's not allyship. That's not. That's that's that that's some fake shit. So, um, I mean, it, it, you are entirely right about the, the the fact that these these white CEOs, male, female. I mean, I, I talk about within my own organization, the allyship is what is moving the needle, and also the youth. That is also the aspect that's going to keep this movement going. The, the youngsters, as I say, that's what's going to have to keep this going. So mm-hmm. Exactly. Of course, we got Laura Silver and Laura Hutchinson on the show with us this week. Uh, of course, we've been trying to get uh, y'all on the show for, for a good while. Of course, I tried to link up with you guys when we were in town for the Henny Derby last year. And uh, like we uh, mentioned earlier, like y'all do uh, – coaching in the, in the Richmond area. Uh, tell us about uh, the program that, that y'all do up that way. You go first. You go first. You go ahead. No, you. Who's the youngest? Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. She's been waiting for this moment her entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. You know... <laughs> The, the coaching scene has been very interesting for me. When I, in between playing pro and international, I was always coaching on the side. Mm. And I'm like, what the hell are they teaching these kids? Like, what is going on here? Like, like I don't understand what was going on in the club system. And not all club systems, but some of the club systems, some private training stuff. And I'm just like, I don't understand because I'm literally floating between the highest level and then the youth level where all of these skills can be, can be learned. The structure, the mental stability, the the mental, everything can be learned at such a young age. And they could be so good by the time they're 13, 14, I'm teaching a 14 year old how to pass the ball. So in, in the grand scheme of everything, I got to a place where I was just fed up. I was, you know, making $8 an hour working for somebody else. And I said, you know what? I'm going to run with this. This is, I'm so passionate about 
not just helping the kids understand the game, but understand themselves and understand how the game parallels life in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, that was nice. Thank you. Yeah. I worked on that. Not, um, yes, you did. Maybe. <laughs> but <sighs> not only was it just about getting them out on the field, it was also teaching them that the only person that's standing in front of them in their own way is themselves. A lot of the coaches that I'm seeing that are that are helping kids get to the next level are not really helping them. It is a check. They are there for a check, and, and, it, and it bothers me. And for the longest time, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna completely break this whole club system thing, like blah blah blah. Until of course I matured a little bit, but then I said I'm just going to enhance it. I'm gonna get better. I'm going to help. I'm going to get into the clubs from an admin standpoint and help them understand that they can help their kids a lot more if they understand the game even from a worldly standpoint, not just from an American standpoint where it's like, all right, we need 12 teams, we need this many kids on the team, this our session done. There's so many other things that can be implemented. So what we've done is now we're, uh-oh, is it supposed to be like that? Oh, just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was going to end. I was like, oh, no, great. You're fine, you're fine. But now what we're doing is we're really, we're really, you said it so beautifully today. We're putting the power back in the kids' hands. Yeah. We're showing them how they can take their, their process they can train themselves. They can get themselves recruited. They don't need anybody else because a college coach is not taking you and your coach and your best three friends. They're taking you. That's it. They're taking you. So how can we do that? Well, the, the easiest way is through social media. It is free for them. It is free for them to get on get online, start a profile, reach out to college coaches, and, and promote themselves. They don't have to wait on the club coach to make the call for them. Right. Because then the club coach is only going to be able to really take on so much and only vouch for certain kids. Especially it's, when they're on, me. <laughs> especially when they're on a salary. So it's not like yeah. they're going to want to go for bat for every single one of their players. They're going to have 20 kids and then maybe they have three teams. So it's really 60 kids and then so on and so forth. So that's why um, the way that we have this set up is we're, we're, it's, it's built by pros to build pros. And the way that we've lived a professional life, we know what it looks like to hold yourself accountable, to have to create and get highlight tape done, to have to be able to advocate for yourself, negotiate contracts, like be able to talk to people as professionals. And, and right now we're setting our kids up to like go to college and like think about this, even without soccer, we set our kids up to go to college, like good luck or we're paying their full tuition. It's not like they're really adulting. Or some people just get left and, and dusted. And it's kind of like there's no there's no investment accounts created, you know, unless your parents are really on it like that. There's no there's no opportunity. Like maybe you've missed out on opportunities because you weren't your parents didn't play soccer. My parents didn't play soccer growing up. They didn't know. They don't know. They still don't know what offside is. They don't know like the, the game. They don't get these things. So when it came to college recruiting, my parents had no idea. Same. So not familiar, Tony. <laughs> what we're creating is we're, we're literally putting the power back in the hands of the kids where they have an opportunity to get recruited, whether there's someone who plays on a team, because just because you play on a team doesn't mean you play, mm-hmm. you may not get minutes. So then how does a coach get a, re- get a chance to really see you? So what we're, what we're doing is, is really awesome because we're allowing kids to get onto social media, advocate for themselves, have grown up conversations, 
also focus on the schooling aspect, you know, like focus on the education piece, like what school do they want to go to? That's going to be great to set them up for, for their future, whatever that is pro Mm -hmm. or not pro. Um, and financially understanding like what it means to negotiate a contract where you're going to be at a school for four years. So there's, there's one way of getting a kid to college, but there's also another way to set it, set a kid up for success to go to college. And that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. So what, what got you into coaching? What made you want to say, all right, I'm going to give back in some shape, form and, and move on these next generations. What, what was the catalyst for? I know for me to get back into coaching, it was because, to be honest, I didn't have some coaches that I didn't really particularly like. And so I was like, I want to do better. And also, especially coach kids of color. Um, what was the catalyst for you to, to essentially impact the next generation? For me, it was just the energy. Um, I just remember being really young and, and giving back to the younger teams. And it was just something that a lot of my coaches made the team do. So it kind of just became a part of my culture, especially once I got into college. Um, my college coach, that's all we did. Every single semester we were, we were constantly, you know, doing some service work for a local team here in Richmond. And it was just fun. It was, it, it just felt good. It, it wasn't just coaching them as, uh, players. It was coaching them as people too, as young women, because we worked with a lot of female teams. For, so for me, it was that. Um, I don't know about you though. Yeah, I mean, my story is a little bit different because technically I'm not retired, so I might go back and play. Which she's like trying to feet get like Marcelo. But oh, I'm trying to tell you like that 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 video that you posted the other day. I was like, yo, those, those the speed is real. The speed is real. Yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm. So she's going back. She's going back. I'm always training. I'm always just like doing my thing. But like right now I'm not even really training. So like if I did, I'd actually have to like get into the mindset to do it. Um, but yeah, but right now I'm just having fun with it. Um, but the, the reason why I got into coaching is because of the amount of experience that I've obtained as a person and as a player. I have lived in, I've lived in Norway, Sweden, Scotland, France. Um, I played with the Jamaican national team. I practically lived there. Um, and I've had the opportunity to play here in the United States. So I, I have so many different styles of play, um, so much experience, so much cult, like I'm just very cultured. Like I'm very seasoned, I would say. And I'm 27, but even when I was 23, I, I felt, and, and people, I'd have conversations with people who would say, you know, exactly, pour some, you know, a little salt, a little cayenne pepper, whatever you want on it. Um, <laughs> um, but the, the, the aspect of being able to, to bring that level of experience to a group of people. The thing that gets me going is finding players who for once got an opportunity to like, it just clicked in their brain. Mm-hmm. Like it just really made sense for a player. And those are the kinds of players that I love to work with. But the, but the amount of experience that I have, like I, I personally, and Lauren knows this, I only work with certain players. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to work with players who want to go to the next level. I want to work with players who may suck and who want to be really good, yep. but they will put in the time to get there. I want to work with people who are really, really good, who want to be really, really good and be the best in the world. But for me, it's all about like effort and like, it's all about mentality. And I can't work with people who don't, who don't know how to get after it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not my style. And like, I'm very honest with saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell uh, Lauren, tell us about. Uh, All right, so I, wait, 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 wait. I need no, no, I need to know the juicy stuff. Who is the All baddest right. player you played against? Who was like, damn, 
Who was the one that bust your ass? <laughs> like he said, the worst or the best? Like uh, yeah, like as in the worst or the best? The best. The best. <sighs> Who's the one that had you thinking? Like you know what? I might not Who be as good as I think. Man, um, like I played against. Like I have tough one. I have certain teammates who I think are like like some of the best players in the world. Um, who is the best ever played? That's a really good question. I mean, I like I was playing against Tobin Heath. Like Tobin Heath is yeah, really, Tobin really Heath. That'd be real careful. That yeah, one. she she is really really good. Um, she's probably one of the best uh, that I have like personally played against. If I'm playing as a left back, she's playing as a right winger. Mm-hmm. Okay, but like. Technically, like, if I'm talking about the best player on the field in general, like, we played against the United States of America. Mm-hmm. She's played against the United States of America. They're the best team in the world. They have the, some of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, Rapino for me. I haven't played against Rapino. So, yeah, but what's going on? It's a bug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, Rapino. that's who I would have to say. What, what like, particularly stood out? Just world class with everything, everything, everything. Like when I say everything, I mean everything. I think it's the confidence. It's unbelievable when you have when you play like when you play enough soccer, when you build enough confidence as a player. Like you, you just have to be confident in your skill. Like you could be absolute shit, but if you know what your one hundred percent strength is, and that's the difference as a pro. Being a pro is knowing your strength and yeah. owning your strength and building your strength and focusing more on your strength and focusing more and more and more on your strength. That's it. It's not building your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's about knowing what you are really fucking good at and only doing that fucking thing all the time and being really good at that. We That's tell it. the kids all the time, Alex Morgan is not tracking back to tackle you in the defensive third. She's scoring goals. That is what she is paid to do. Right. That's what she is paid to do. Right. That's what she do. That's what I do, man. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have to say Rapino, the touch, the 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 world class leadership, the the movements, the the what's the word? Like the trigger. Is that the word? Like how quick she makes a decision. Like you know how some decisiveness. Quick release, yeah. It's a quick release, yeah, something like that. Like a trigger. She doesn't have to think about it. It's it's just there. Not that one. Not that one. But close. (laughs) Not her football IQ is amazing. It's lit, but it's It's like it's like her her decision making is so clean and so pinpointed. It's just it's world class. Really, really world class. Class. Cool, cool. I, said um, I don't know about you, Tony, but I really don't want to talk about Liverpool uh, finally winning the EPL. Uh, so I actually do. I actually got two things before we head over here to uh, to uh, to up to down. Jamaica Lauren, of course. Uh, last year there was a lot Jamaica of talk about. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, last year, Reggae Girls making the World Cup. Uh, that was a big story. Of course, following the World Cup was even more of a story as far as the team getting paid in and the national team in danger of folding. Um, uh, give us a little bit of backstory on what happened there and what's happening now on that end. Yeah, so it's always been a finicky thing. Like even before I joined in 2013 or 14, we had there was no team in existence. The first time we tried to qualify for the World Cup, and like without any preparation, which is what we Caribbean teams do, we just like get together, play ball. Like all right, you know, like we actually almost like made a running for it, which is insane. 
We also did that this year as well. <laughs> and we still made a, like, we still end up qualifying for the World Cup. And that's really how it started. I remember when I got a phone call, I was living in Denver and uh, Coach Hugh was like, Lauren, like, come play for us. And I was like, and I, I had actually been, I had switched. So USA Women's um, Olympic Lifting had recruited me to do like USA weightlifting. So I was in the middle of doing a completely different sport. And he called me and he was like, come play. And I was just like, ah. So I ended up like switching, switching up real quick. And I went and joined, joined, that was three weeks later, joining them in Haiti to play for the first round of World Cup qualifiers, which we almost lost. Mm. But it was like, we got together for a week. So I had been weightlifting. Then I had to jump in there and play 90 minute, like four 90 minute games. <laughs> and that was our preparation. So that was the start of it. So you can only imagine like the rest of it. And it, and it kind of looked something like that, um, which is, which is cool. Um, but that was its own experience. And then, yeah, we got to the world cup qualifying for the world cup was probably the best feat. Like that was the best, that was, that was the thing going to the world cup. Like I'm happy we did it, but qualifying for the world cup we're the first Caribbean team to ever do it. The, the team that we had really was the reason why it happened. Um, without that group of girls, we would never have qualified for the World Cup, not in a million years. Um, so I'm really proud of that of that group. And then as we moved on to the World Cup, um, it just it got a little bit like for us, I think, with in terms of pay, after we had qualified, you would expect that we get paid because FIFA a lot of money for each team. Um, and you have to actually, so that you know, you have to – file like with FIFA, like all the, like the same way you audit, like they still audit your businesses. So when you audit at the team, you have to tell them what flights you have so they can compensate you. That takes a bit of time for every country. And then they pay you like your stipend, they pay you your, your, your winning funds. That took a long time for us. And it also took a long time because we aren't organized. We'd never done that before. Mm -hmm. So that process was hard. And then on top of that, like the financial issues and, and, political um, fuckery for lack of better words is, was another reason why, you know, the women didn't get paid. Like the whole time we didn't get stipends and the stipends that we did get were like 20 bucks. They were trying to give us like 20 bucks a day, um, you know, which is like below poverty. And, um, you know, and so we really had to make a big fight, including myself. I was a really big advocate for that, speaking up on that. And in it, in it, in it, like the president was involved and I almost got cut from the team and whatever, whatever, which was the least of my concerns because these women were being taken advantage of. So big fight for that. Um, and we finally actually got paid for that. It wasn't until like two you months ago. Open your bank account and like, yeah, what? it wasn't until about two months ago that like, we had, we had gotten some money from from some sponsors that were helping us, but we never officially got paid. And then mm-hmm. just we got paid um, an okay, like once again, no offense, but it's a joke of amount of money because compared to what men get paid and, a, and, and compared to like what the U.S. women's national team would get paid, like it, it's a fucking joke. So yeah. uh, there was a big fight for that, but it, I would kind of say it's kind of like this one that we're going through right now as, as, a, as a culture and as a, as a community where we're really having to speak up. And I think like we won that moving now to the future um, after we went to the world cup, it was a great experience. I mean, obviously we had never had that type of exposure before. So it was a really difficult platform for us to play on, but um, moving till now, like, you know, I know that some of the youth teams are heading to the world cup, like the youth world cups or they were. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they've been trying to get in contact and work with those younger players because like, like uh, Tony was saying, like that's the youth is like where the future is going to be. So with the senior team, I don't know. I don't know what they're planning. I don't really know what there hasn't been much conversation, but um, wow. Right. (laughs) But the youth is up and running, I think. And I wish like all of that the best, to be honest. I really do. There's really good players there. It sounds like, like y'all getting paid, like people getting their unemployment. It's like they be waiting for weeks now. It's like, oh shit, I just got paid. Like, no, that's, that's weeks. We were months. We were almost <laughs> waiting a full <laughs> <Yeah>. year <laughs> before we got paid. And like, even even that amount of money was like, okay. I mean, it's not life changing to say the least. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Trini Lauren, uh, you had some programs that you want that you wanted to plug. Uh, let, let's let's hear about them. Yeah, so uh, the program that we were talking about is called The Unknown Athlete, and that is where we always think there's so many athletes out there that are just unknown, and the process of getting recruited is unknown. Parents, when they're trying to help their kids get recruited, it's unknown. Kids that are trying to go pro, it's unknown. A lot of people don't understand the process, and because we've lived that process and we have the connections, we have all the people in place, that is exactly what we've started doing. So I've got, you know, my Evolve business, my FYP business, but but the unknown business is so amazing because, and I'll let you kind of speak on this, but we're bringing, we're bringing that, that 1% of opportunities to, to the masses to give them the, the actual uh, chance of, of playing and, and taking the control of their life back. Mm-hmm. You're way better at saying it. It's just, it's just, it's, but, it's, it's like everybody else in the world. It, by bringing, they're always, they always talk about like the national team is like one percent. Like mm-hmm. we're, it's always that one percent player. Some of those players are given opportunities that others are not given just because a coach likes their style, just because a coach at the time prefers them over someone else. So that doesn't mean that these other players aren't good enough. It's just that they might be given the same opportunity or resources that some of these other players are. And there's players who should be playing on the national team or could be, but they never got the resources to get there. So what we are focusing on is bringing the opportunities of the 1% to the 99% while also helping the 1%, but just making it, making it available to any and everyone. And that's why like the idea of of taking this control and, and giving it back to the kids like they can control whether or not they, they get seen by a national team coach or not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more opportunity there. So that's, that's really the way that we've, yeah. we've structured that business. Gotcha. Gotcha. And where can they find the um, information about the unknown athlete? Um, you can go on Instagram at uh, the unknown athlete. I can also text it to you, but it's T H E U U N K N W N athlete. So there's no O. Okay. The one athlete. That's where they can find all the information. And it's also it's it's also for, for coaches too. Coaches that are trying to be seen. Uh teams that are trying to be seen. Um there's just there's just big gap for people where they don't know where to look. You don't know what you don't know. So we're creating that platform for, for people to look and for people to meet. You always like to call it the common ground, just in general, that word. Yeah. Um, but it's where it, it's it's the the place where people will meet up so they can promote themselves and they can they can feel and and, and appreciate that control back in their life. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah. Before we uh, wrap up, of course, I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone that's been making their orders on the Black Lives Matter uh, name sets. Again, uh, proceeds from that are going to the Bail Project as well as uh, 
Camp Horizon of Georgia. That's a camp for foster kids. Uh, we wanted to invest both in the the existing cause going on right now, but also to uh, the issue of uh, foster kids out here, especially uh, black foster kids. They, they the rate of black adoption, black kid adoption is is very low, and we want to do everything we can so that way they have a a, a better life, at least now during the summer, especially right now with everything being all crazy. But um, but uh, yeah, keep on uh, making those orders at ftcutd.myshopify.com, and you can also look up those two organizations if you want to donate to them directly. And uh, that's really all I got. We're gonna hit up this uh, two up and two down, Tony. What you got? Um, all right. So I think, obviously, I mean, I'm going to continue this trend of keeping the, the positive because, remember, I've been the angry black man for so long, and so I'm I'm shifting to keeping it positive. Like I said, last week, you were so you, 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 you I got Hey, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I had to get some stuff off my I mean, being a black man in America, it it it, it weighs on you. But anyway, um, so obviously, uh, number one uh, positive up is uh, our brother in arms with this TK becoming a daddy, joining the Big Dad Club, uh, Big Papa. I'm proud of him. You know, he's a father to a daughter. L.E. is the nickname we're giving her. I don't want to give out the, so, the government name, you know, because I don't know if he wants that to be known or anything like that. But uh, I want to welcome him to the club. Uh, that's definitely Hello, a positive man. because that's life-changing, and now he's found his uh, real – what's that? Girl, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I got my about statement, but I won't go on to that in the episode. Um, anyway, uh, next thing, <laughs> Mississippi Confederate flag is off. They took the stars and bars off the Mississippi flag. I thought I'd never see that in my lifetime. Uh, so that is, um, being a kid right here in the dirty South, um, that has been a symbol of so much hurt and pain and hatred. Glad to see that. There is there's movements, and just like we talked about with the Lawrence, uh, it takes allies to move things. And if it weren't some allies in Mississippi to help push that along, um, that wouldn't happen. And then uh, now, my now final positive is uh, today is uh, for real. Don't you know? You don't get me started. Then. <laughs> um, and then the final thing is. Uh, this is the hundredth anniversary of uh, Negro Leagues. Um, anything that I actually, when I was a school teacher, I actually taught a whole curriculum based on the history of the Negro Leagues. My uh, godmother's grandfather was of the Homestead Grays, uh, Cumberland Posey. Uh, real deep connection with it. I think they were really the true, you know, trailblazers of why we're here at Cass. So a shout out to the whole Negro League, Rube, Big Rube running the league. Uh, please look into the history of it. It was one of the leagues that actually had female players in it playing it professionally too. Not too many hey. other leagues can say that. So um, it's crazy that 
know, the Negro League survived during the Great Depression. They survived World Wars. I mean, these were black-owned businesses as well, too, that survived so many of these hard times within our American history. The Negro League is something that definitely needs to be a part of American history when it's So um, shout-out to the centennial celebration of the Negro League. What you got, Mayor? All right, so uh, good good look on the Mississippi flag. That I was going to start off with that on my two up. So I'll kind of switch some gears and move around. So um, one of them I'll start off with. Um, I was reading about uh, this guy named Andrew Tolles. He used to play for the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, they found him. Uh, he was homeless. Um, you know, found him. I think outside the back of a hospital. And, yeah, I heard about um, that. Yeah. Yeah. So his uh, teammates came to the rescue. Um, one of his teammates, Justin Turner, offered to uh, pay his hospital bills, and some of the other guys are helping him, uh, helping him to get back on his feet. So um, I wanted to highlight that just out of the essence of the human spirit of us coming together, especially during these times, um, and in arms, you know, with one another, and and just trying to um, make sure our fellow man are, and, and woman are. are to, you know, taken care of, and we're doing good, and we're moving and striving together as uh, as one, uh, regardless of race, background, etc. You know, we're moving together. Um, as my my second up for the week, um, my guy Vince Carter, man, Vince Carter, arm in the rim, half man, half amazing. Um, you know, decided to call it quits. He's uh, played in what twenty two years. 22 years. It's been a long time. He's played for a lot of teams. He's played in a lot of different eras, many, many, many years. So, um, you know, he turned the lights out, you know, last season here in Atlanta as an Atlanta Hawk. Um, it was great to see him here. Uh, so uh, kudos to Vince Carter. Um, for my two downs, you know, speaking of the Hawks and the arena and Vince Carter, you know, right next door to the Hawks is uh, CNN. And more specifically, the CNN Center. And that's one thing that's been a staple um, in my life, being here in Atlanta. So um, it was word that just recently came out that the CNN Center, uh, Warner Media, is deciding to um, sell CNN Center. So I know there's lots of things that I used to go there as a kid. The Game Ranch when I was a kid. And I know Tony went too and, and other things like, all right, I'm going to tag you in, Tony. What you got, Tony? <laughs> don't, you think it's, don't you think it's funny that they now trying to move after the riot? They're like, mm-mm, we got to out of here. <laughs> timing kind of was, like, was kind of Timing was kind of weird. But, like, uh, but they do change. We got to get out of here. White flight. Yeah. <laughs> 70s all over again. But they did say they they want to stay committed to Atlanta, Big um, Ted Turner, and the base of CNN here. So CNN will not, you know, leave the city, but at least that piece of of the um, iconic um, brand will be up for sale right now. And lastly, um, the police officer that shot Richard Brooks, I think his name was Garrett Roth. Um, mm-hmm. He was granted a $500,000 bond. Um, and with that bond, I was released. There are certain conditions. I believe he has to wear an ankle monitor. Um, he can't congregate or be in the company of other police officers 
I know it can't be in the company of the family of Rayshard Brooks, but I know there's a lot of mixed feelings and emotions about this, about this case, about this decision from the judge. Um, but I just wanted to leave that as my second down for people to kind of think about that situation and kind of start some dialogue and see where we are with that. But uh, that's my two up to now. Lawrence, what y'all got? I've got one up. You go. You go first. One of my ups is being able to be around Lauren a lot because we have a lot of friends right now that are not in positions where they are around people that understand what's going on in the world right now. Tag team. So to continue on the up, um, Lauren and I are both mixed. So we have one parent that's white and one parent that's black. So the cool thing about that is the fact that we do have each other in that essence, but we also have that in, in that other essence as well, because it is very difficult. Mm -hmm. People don't understand um, that it is very hard not to just deal with racial slurs and the the racism that exists from white to black, but also that exists within black people and black women in particular. Um, So that's something I'm like really on the up with. Mm -hmm. A down, I mean, other than what's going on, I mean, we might have to go back to the three fingers, man. Tony. <laughs> we might have to go back. To- <laughs> um, I, I- <laughs> the chicken feet. The chicken feet. The chicken feet. I would say um, I just really hope that people really start to educate themselves more on what's going on in the world. I know I'm educating myself. I am not an expert in what's going on, but I'm but I'm taking the time to learn. And I just wish there were more people really trying to take the time to do it. I don't think there's enough of that. Do you have a down? Do I have a down? I like to go on fleet. No, they're not on fleet. That is a down right now. It needs to be fixed. We'll talk about the fleet. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess, like, there's so much to be down about. And I feel like, um, I feel like we addressed a lot of those things. The, the, the ups for me, every, every conversation that I have that can be a down can be an up. And that's, that's the way I'm choosing to see everything that we're doing. Everything that is just as good is as equally as bad. And we can choose to like see it one way and the, the yin and the yang. We can look at it one way and we can look at it the other way. Um, but one of the ups is being, being here on this, on this, on this call right now and getting a chance to speak to the audience that is here. I hope those that are watching. Um, really tune in and listen to some of these things that that we're talking about. This, this mm-hmm. is big time stuff. It's also not easy to get on something like this and to express your true opinion without hate coming your way. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're going to bring hate, don't bring it here. Um, and if you want to bring love and positivity, like, reach out, talk to us. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, this is this is the space where th- that stuff is invited. So yeah. that's that's definitely an up for me. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. And 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 just to piggyback on that real quick. It's okay to not know. Just mm-hmm. admit that you don't know and say you're willing to learn. Like, that's huge. Don't just rush out here with the – I feel like so many people get caught up in having to have an immediate opinion. Sometimes you just got to take a step back and say, hey, I don't know. Show me what like what's, what's really going on. There is an interesting piece uh, that's one of my um, uh, ups. Uh, Ian Desmond, a baseball player with the Colorado Rockies, just like him, he's a biracial uh, kid. He grew up in, um, in the Tampa Bay area, and he decided to uh, 
not play this season for um, in Major League Baseball, largely due to his his, uh, his wife being pregnant. But at the same time, he's taking a step back and addressing some of the inequalities both in the in youth development in baseball and between black and white. I, I can attest to that myself, especially I, like my first sport was baseball, and I saw it, and then basically pushed me away. Where I was like, yeah, we're just going to favor all the ki- white kids with the white with their dads are coaching and everything. But um, yeah, shout out to him on on that. Um, I think as far as my other up, um, I am definitely. You know, I'm, I'm, this is actually a really good episode. And I'm like, this episode is my up. Like, this is actually probably been like, we've been having a, a pretty good run of episodes the past few weeks. You know, we definitely need to get more women on the show. I love it when we do because y'all bring the shit every time. And the eyelashes. Uh, and the eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's just so beautiful. I'm <laughs> <laughs> but um I mean Tony and, and Rashad took most of my up so like I, I'm just really thankful for this um, I appreciate y'all coming on the show this week where can they find all the programs and where can they find y'all on the socials and all, and all that just low silver at low silver low silver just, just okay. So this is really simple. You can reach out to her at Hutch FYP and me at Low Silver underscore on Instagram. Literally, just DM us. We're, we yeah. we talk to everyone the most that we can. Um, my DMs are like really packed. So if you don't reach me, talk to Lauren and she'll reach me. <laughs> um, that is true. That, that is a true story. That is a true that story. Is true. That's why. That's why there's two of us because if you can't reach one more and you have the other, you'll get the other. You'll get the other one. Um, it is really difficult, but but we do our best to make sure that we make people like you know we create great content. We we have jokes, we have serious moments, but just reach out to us. We'll talk to you. We'll put you in the right place. We have something for something for everything that you have. So you know what I'm saying? Like just reach out to you. Know, you know what I'm saying? If you need the juice, if you need the you know the nutrient, you're so annoying. I'm so dumb. I'm gonna cut you off. <laughs> And, oh, my true, and my true West Indians, they got about five different jobs. So, yeah, like I said, they, they got what you need. They got what you need. Yes, but, we uh, do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yes, uh, next week we will have Felipe Cardenas from The Athletic. Again, we talked about the past few weeks. Uh, he's doing an article on black soccer here in Atlanta. We were proud to contribute to that episode. And, uh, and of course, next week, MLS is back, literally and figuratively, with the, tur- with the tournament starting up next week. So we'll get to talk to him, try, chop it up and all that stuff. But, yes, in the meantime, y'all continue to be smart out here. Wear your damn mask. Like, the numbers are getting stupid. I, I like that needs to really be emphasized. Don't don't be stupid. But um, but yes, you can always follow us closer to FTC. You know, like, UTD. There you go. But um, but yes, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're all there. Again, keep keep ordering the Black Lives Matters because of course Black Lives Matter all day, every day. But um, but yes, for. Lauren, the, the one word for two for two girls, for coach. L a u r q y n. Play <laughs> yes. Oh,
coach or mayor for baby thunder cat. The coach is real. The coach is everywhere. We will see y'all soon, and we out.